Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we attend a Nintendo pep rally as we discuss the ABCs of Nintendo sports. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's just a great day to be alive. It is a great day to be alive. Um, yes, I'm very, very happy to be alive. Happy to not be the opposite of alive. <laughs> is that too dark? That's too dark. I shouldn't... <laughs> this is a weird place to go at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah, we usually save that for the send-off, don't we? Yeah, that's right. Usually at the end, we're like, be thankful for you, the fact that you now live, even though we are all mortal. Um, Mark, I had, I had a thought today that I want to... Um, I've, I've been playing Final Fantasy VI, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy III on the Super NES uh, Classic Edition. Um, I just played the opera sequence, loved it. Um, that game's incredible. Um, it makes me think that I need to give all the Final Fantasy games another <laughs> honest try. So great. I think that's an, an amazing project. Where to begin? <laughs> well, I mean, where indeed? I begin by finishing Final Fantasy VI and then being totally turned off by the whole <laughs> concept. Because <laughs> by the time you get to the end of any Final Fantasy game, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember why I didn't want to play this. It's too okay. much grinding. Well, remind me what the last Final, like, Final Fantasy that you played is is it have you played 12 12 no i've not played 12 have you i think i think 10 was the last one i was like serious about although i, I played most of seven remake um oh right oh yeah for sure yeah um okay and i guess that counts i think so i i think that 10 is definitely worth your time and i think 12 is also definitely worth your time um anything past that like i didn't like 13 and I haven't played anything past that to like have an opinion, but I think um, ten and twelve are definitely worth reevaluating. Here's the thing: um, fifteen, the uh, like royal edition or whatever they call like the deluxe that has like everything in it, um, is on sale on the PlayStation Store right now for like fifteen bucks. So I might be going for Final Fantasy fifteen. I might be going for the boy band road trip. Uh, that that may be where I'm headed next. So I. I mean, I haven't played 15, so I don't know. But what I'm worried is that you will go into 15 and you will be turned off by it. And then you will Hmm. never play 12, which I think you should give an honest shot. Well, okay, but so you think 12 is one that is going to hook me in that like is good. Then that's available on Switch, right? Yeah, yeah. I think think 12 is great. I I had a ton of fun with 12. Well, so that's why I say I go 15 next. (laughs) And then I loop back when I'm like, oh, now I need like a good one. And then I can play 12. I, and uh, if it's not good, I hold you responsible. Do you know, I, um, I, I mean, that logic is, like, sound. I, it's hard to poke any holes in that. Speaking of things you can't poke holes in, my copy of Sonic Forces, would you like to borrow it? Please don't poke. <laughs> you can do, there, look, there are no rules when it comes to this program, but please don't poke holes in my copy of Sonic Forces. <laughs> um, you can borrow it. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Um, and then I send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. However, it is possible 
that when you go to open my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, you see a big fat goose in there. Uh, you've been uh, saddled with the Untitled Goose Game. It's a prank from the goose. You have uh, no choice in this. You just have to deal with it. Um, and if you want to, if you want the goose, um, also kind of tough. You have no control over that. I'm imagining the sequence of events like somebody opens the Sonic Forces borrowing program, or sorry, the Sonic Forces case. And yeah, the case just says Sonic Forces on it. It does not identify itself as part of the Sonic Forces borrowing program. So somebody opens the Sonic Forces yeah. uh, game case, and you know, like the novelty can of nuts that when you open it, like it's just snake like springs out, like a, a, like the Untitled Goose Game just like springs out unexpectedly no no it is a full goose head and i go oh <laughs> and it's, it's just it's there you got to deal with it well just beware um, i guess it just <laughs> anyway get involved in that here's another thing you can get involved in um we uh, look every week on the show we do a topic called 433 where mark and i talk about something not at all nintendo related for four minutes and 33 seconds for our 433rd episode, which is coming up, um, we are going to do a whole episode of 433s, uh, but we don't want them to be you know, comfortable topics that we know that we pick. We want you to give us topics. Thank you to those of you who have pitched some softball topics. I do love those. Also, thank you to those of you who have pitched some very difficult topics. Um, I'm I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, but I think it'll be fun. Um, thank you so much to Dominic, to Tiago, to Peter, and to Adam, who have already sent in suggestions. But if you have suggestions of topics you would like us to discuss for a little over four and a half minutes, you can email them to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail and we need those by uh, the end of the day on February 9th. So we can talk about them um, just that later that the next day i guess and then you'll hear it the day after that um i'm not looking at a calendar i'm just guessing here um but that all makes sense to me <laughs> um all right mark let's get into our topic we are doing the abcs of nintendo sports a to z uh we like to break these episodes up into two parts because you know uh, it takes a long time to get through um, 26 letters, especially when we each have something for, for each letter. So this is going to be A through M. Um, Mark, before we dig in here, uh, I was wondering if you had any like insight as to like how you approach this or uh, what you consider to be uh, Nintendo sports. Yeah, um, so I've, I found this not difficult, but... Ch- challenging maybe i did find it difficult sure, synonyms, synonyms. <laughs> yeah okay, okay yes uh but so, some of these were a little bit tough so i would say that um my entry point to these letters are it's sometimes a long road to like the final destination but um it was it was fun because it was a little bit out of like the usual stuff that uh, i would say my usual like nintendo backpack where i'm like and i can talk about this and i can talk about this and yeah. i can talk about this so it was kind of like a fun exercise, like stretching that rubber band a little bit. Yeah, I I, I will uh, agree and uh, say that it is a lot of the same experience for me. Um, what I found most interesting was that, like, um, you know, I don't consider myself, I'm not like a big sports fan in general. Like, I like, uh, I like baseball mostly because Sarah watches it. Um, and, like, that kind of feeds into my video game diet as well, that I don't play a lot of um, sports video games. Um, but I was surprised by how many of how many uh, games I do have like a close personal relationship with um, and have spent a lot of time with. So like, 
this was something that sort of revealed to me that I have some like biases towards uh, Nintendo sports games. Like I, I do, I, I like them. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, to, I don't know what to tell myself. It doesn't <laughs> feel right, but here we are, and I've got a bunch of examples of games that I really liked. Um, okay, and sometimes I, Mark, same as you. Sometimes I take a real long walk to get back to. Uh, you know what, what, uh, what we're talking about. I don't think we're gonna see any of that this week. But boy, howdy, look out for next week. We're gonna take some long walks. I mean, when you're getting into the X, Ys, and Zs, like, what are you gonna do? You can do the best you can. But Mark, we're not doing those yet. We're not doing those today. We are doing A through M. Uh, would you like to start with your A, and then, uh, and then I'll go, and we'll snake back and forth like that? Yeah, that sounds great. So my A is. Aero Sports, A E R O Sports, specifically oh. talking about the Pilot Wings series. Um, yes, a series that uh, we haven't had an entry for a while. I think the last one was Pilot Wings Resort on the Nintendo 3DS. But before that, you had Pilot Wings 64 and then Pilot Wings, both of which were like launch titles for the N64 and the SNES, respectively. Pilot Wing 64 uh, notably was one of two launch games. Uh, just Pilot Wings and Mario 64. They were the only games that release with the Nintendo 64. No third-party games released with that system. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like both of those titles, like I didn't have, I didn't buy an N64 or SNES. Like I didn't have them at launch. It wasn't until much later. So Pilot Wings 64 like was not a game that I played a ton of. Um, but it's interesting how like both of them were kind of used as a way to introduce like new the new technical aspects of the system like mode 7 on the snes and then like moving through 3d space in a different way than you would in mario 64 um on the nintendo 64 and the the series is like uh to my mind most memorable for like the incongruity between the uh like kind of like sometimes infuriatingly challenging or like the the challenges in the game require such precision but then uh one of the most like lasting and memorable aspects of the series is like it's chill like jazz soundtrack and like music's so good in these games the intersection between those two things like makes the game tolerable because you're like trying to do these like you're in your little jet pack or you're in like this like uh aero auto gyro and you're trying to make these like really precise landings or hit these really precise targets and, you know, when the smooth, like, uh, artificial saxophone sounds of cyber jazz are playing in the background, it somehow is just, like, tones the nerves just enough. Um, is this a, uh, a, a franchise that... Because I, I feel like m- my relationship to Pilot Wings is always, for all of them, um, try it for a little bit, not understand what I'm doing wrong, uh, and then <laughs> give up. Uh, is, is that your experience, too? Or, like, because they, they've been... Especially the original Pilot Wings has been, you know, represented on a lot of different platforms. It's on the SNES online. Uh, it's on the SNES Classic, um, and it's been available on uh, nearly every um, virtual console that Nintendo has put out. Um, so, like, uh, have you have you like had a chance to like really dig in and like really play them, really get good at them? No. So, like the N sixty four game, like I've only played a little bit, like very casually, um, and mostly just have memories of like watching my friends and cousins you know like uh put a lot of time into it for the s for the snes one like it 
I don't think it's aged very well, partly because it is like um it's the controls are really finicky, it requires a lot of precision, and it it is a graphical sh- showcase for the SNES, but like not in a way that is aged particularly well. Kind of like the first like F Zero game where you're like, oh, this is really cool, and I could see how this was awesome when the SNES launched, but now like there's not a lot of meat on the bone, and that's how I feel about the original Pilot Wings. Uh, that that makes sense. I I've, I also uh, struggle with the the use of Mode Seven in the original Pilot Wings. Um, uh, I'll disagree on uh, the F Zero though. I feel like F Zero weirdly holds up. Like, but its use of Mode Seven it feels very fast in a way that is frequently uncontrollable for me and that I can't like wrap my head around. But it like graphically, I absolutely adore it. Well, maybe we shouldn't talk about too much about F Zero. In case it, we will uh, not. <laughs> in case it comes back up. <laughs> um, very good. My A is look. I went straight down the barrel here. I went with a recent game. I'm talking Aces here. Mario Tennis Aces. Um, a really solid tennis game. Um, featuring the Mario characters. Um, that has sort of a brutal learning curve to it. Um, and uh, especially as you're playing through the single player mode, which is uh, it's it's like a story, but not really. There's no like meat on the story, and there's no like role playing elements to it, which I know was uh something that like people had sort of hoped for. Um, but it is really just a an excuse to present you with a bunch of very precise. Again, this is uh speaking sort of the same language as your aerosports thing of like very precise challenges. Um, and like getting to understand how like particularly you can control the path of that tennis ball. And how you you know store up meter and eventually use the meter and uh, you know when to use it to save when to use it to attack. Um, I really liked the you know week or so that I spent playing Mario Tennis Aces and like muscling my way through that story mode. Yeah, and you really did muscle your way through it because you finished it before the update to the game landed, where they like me- like uh, sanded oh, off yeah. the edges a little bit. Like you it was easier to like retry challenges without having to go through the whole rigmarole. Like, um, I used to have to, you used to have to like do the, like the dialogue at the end of it being like you lost and then start it again and get all the dialogue at the beginning (laughs) of it, four or five lines. And then it loads up the match again. Now you can just go play again. Yeah. And like, I, I never went back once they added that and I gave up like, I mean, generously, maybe halfway through it, it just became like too technical and too difficult. Uh, for me to to do man when it is at its most technical and you're able to like keep up with it it's like a fighting game it's it's wonderful mario tennis aces is a very good game wrapped in like a frustrating shell you know (laughs) um like i I wish it was better at onboarding you i wish it was better at communicating its systems to you um and you know just like all nintendo uh games in, in the switch era i wish it's online was better um I was never able to even compete in any of the tournaments. Uh, I was on. It was before I bought a um a, a Ethernet adapter because I ended up I yeah. bought that for Smash Brothers Ultimate, and so I was trying to do it on Wi-Fi. And my like, s- like the Switch's Wi-Fi is generally not that great, but my Switch yeah. used to sit in like the corner of my apartment, away from the router, and it was just like there was no way, there was no way that I was going to be able to connect. Yeah, I've I've disconnected from more matches of that than anything else. Like I don't know why I don't have that problem in like Splatoon, and I know I don't want to. I why I don't have that problem in Smash. It's because I never take it on, <laughs> online. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Aces, I'm not going to say that it is a, a underappreciated game because I feel like uh, it, it got its moment for sure. Um, and it's, it's one I, I frequently think about going back to just because it is a, uh, a rock solid experience. I may do some of that tonight. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And I, you know, they supported it for a long time after release. I basically, I think for, it was on that yearly cadence that Nintendo was doing yeah, with the number right. of games like Star Allies. And there were, you were getting new um players new characters, new characters all the time stuff, yeah. by like participating even if you didn't do great like participating in the online tournaments but i i i think it probably has been years at this point that they had an online tournament now that i have an ethernet connector now would be a like a great time for them to bring that back this is now a mario tennis podcast we are converting <laughs> all the way over uh okay we are we are moving on to b now i go first um uh mark i'm this is my first hardware entry I'm going to talk about the balance board for the uh, Nintendo Wii, um, which I, I, I decided I made I made this determination early on that Nintendo Sports also includes Nintendo Fitness. Um, uh, just, you know, uh, partially because some of my earliest memories of uh, Nintendo um, sports games is a world class track meet and it's used absolutely. To which we will talk about later. <laughs> but the, the, the balance board brought that sort of idea into the Wii aesthetic um, is so successfully. Like, I, I know the balance board is sort of a punchline now of, like, everyone has one, you know, shoved under their couch somewhere um, because it's this a, a weird, like, kind of heavy big piece of plastic that GameStop won't buy for 59 cents, you know? Um, uh, but it is such like Wii Fit and Wii Fit Plus on the uh, on the Wii U are both just such good um, like executions of a very simple premise of like how well do you balance uh, and can you lean in this direction or that direction? How much control do you have over where you're standing right now? And I feel like it came like right in the same of like cresting the same wave of like people casually doing yoga at home or like going to yoga classes in like you know easy accessible ways and when i say people i mean you know like americans <laughs> i'm saying like white ladies um and so like it it it, fe- it felt very like of the moment um and just sort of had a good sense of how to measure um something you know th- something very still very slow and still like turning it into a game yeah like in the the balance board they were everywhere you know like um yeah. It really tapped into that like Wii zeitgeist where it's like, yeah, here is kind of like you have this Wii, you have Wii Sports. The next thing you're seeing on Good Morning America is this like Wii yes. Fit. Um, yeah, that uh, also it was just it arrived at like the same time that Guitar Hero was really hit and Rock Band were really hitting big. Yeah. And so it was just like in that wave of peripherals that if only Donkey Konga had come out like five years later, it could have been the trendsetter. Donkey Konga missed the boat. I mean, it did. It did set the trend. It's just no one realized it was the one setting. That's it. right. Thought, that's right. Everyone thought it was. Guitar it's like Hero. the. It's like the handle on the GameCube that paved the way that's for right. the Switch. One hundred percent. My B is uh, pretty general. It's baseball, baby. It is inescapable, beloved around yes. the world, but I think especially in both Japan and the United States, uh, baseball is all over my list in some form or another. <laughs> That's uh, so funny. I hadn't I hadn't really considered like that how Japanese baseball is and how American it is to the exclusion of most other places, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, like you know like uh, there are there are leagues in other countries, but um it really is like a sport that 
is like the kind of like national sport of both Japan and the United States. Um, you know, like NES baseball for the NES was designed by Shigeru Miyamoto and was like an early title on the Famicom in Japan, a launch title for the NES in America. Um, Nintendo owned a and is still a minority owner of like a baseball team. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, just like b- there are baseball games on every single console ever. Baseball is just like when you're talking to Nintendo sports, like baseball is just inescapable. Mark, do you think it's weird that we haven't seen a Mario baseball on the Switch yet? I do kind of, especially because uh, you have like the Joy-Con, which would, yeah, you swing it like a bat. Yeah, yeah, like swing it like a bat. Yeah, like that was uh, what what was the one on the Wii, like Sluggers or like Super Sluggers or something like that. Mario Super Sluggers. Um, that yeah, like that was the selling point of that, and then we didn't see anything in the Wii U era. I don't think. But it does seem like it's primed to make a resurgence. Although I guess the only Mario Sport title we've seen on Switch so far is Aces. We haven't seen golf. We haven't seen. Um, we haven't seen soccer. We yeah. haven't seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it seems like all of those. Uh, and again, we don't want to tip our hand too much as to what might be coming down further in the list. Um, but like, uh, yeah, it's I. It's time, I guess, is 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 what I'm I'm leaning towards. We we should see a baseball game sometime soon. Do you have a a, a favorite um, Nintendo baseball game? Or you... I do have a favorite Nintendo baseball game. It is um, Ken Gif- Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball for the SNES. Um, Perfect. Th- that's like that's the baseball game that I like. Like you, Patrick, I did not play a ton of sports games growing up. That was just like never a genre that I glommed onto. So there are, but there are like kind of like milepost. Uh, sports games that I played a lot of, and one of them was for sure Ken Griffey uh, Jr. presents Major League Baseball, published by Nintendo. I played like there were I played a lot of that game. Um, I can uh, picture the cover to that issue of Nintendo Power. <laughs> got guess what? It's got Ken Griffey Jr. on it, swinging a baseball bat. Next up is C, and uh, speaking. Of world-class track meet from earlier, my C is Cheetah from world-class Cheetah. track meet. Cheetah. <laughs> uh, Cheetah, like, is the boss character, I guess, in the generously call it, like, career mode. I don't even really know. It was the only real mode. Of, it was the only real, like, challenge yeah. in that game that I played. Could never really figure out. We we had the power pad, um, which briefly, I think... it. Uh, won't spend too much time on it now, but the the power pad was basically like a kind of like a Dance Dance Revolution mat that you would plug into your uh, Nintendo Entertainment System, and it had two sides to it. One side had um like a pattern that I never used ever, and then it it was like for step aerobics. Yeah, and then side yeah. A was just a uh, um six, twelve buttons, six in like a row. Wait. 12 buttons. I think it's 16, right? Is, isn't it? 16. Uh, four, four rows of two twice. It could be. We'll have to look <laughs> at a picture. That's why we're not talking about it today. We're not talking about it now. <laughs> yes. But anyways, you would like step on it and uh, you would step on a button on the left to represent the A button and a button on the left step to represent the B button. But you could use it in games like World Class Track Meet too. And you were basically like running on it and it would r- move your character on the screen in like this track meet and if you jumped off both of them it registered that as a jump so you could do hurdles anyways you, um 
there was a like 100 meter dash and 100 meter hurdle kind of like career mode generously calling that that but basically you would uh race a series of characters uh and they were named after like how fast they were it was turtle bear horse rabbit bobcat and then cheetah cheetah at the end and uh at the beginning when he's warming up he taunts you if you beat me you're the best i could never beat him cheetah was too fast for me uh cheetah i feel like is the only one that presents any kind of uh challenge like it is hilarious how slow turtle moves like (laughs) I, it, everyone should be able to beat him. Um, but yeah, che- Cheetah's very difficult, very fast. I always thought it was funny that Bear was one of them. Whereas, like, I don't think about how fast a bear is. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything else, like, yeah, Turtle, that's a slow. Rabbit, yeah, that's kind of fast. Horse, yeah, that's pretty fast. Uh, bobcat, Cheetah, yeah, those are fast animals. Bear? <laughs> Any concept of how fast a bear is? I bet kind of fast. They're big, but I bet they're fast. They're muscular. Um... That's great. Cheetah is is a great pull. Um, my C is for charged, as in Mario Strikers charged. This is a soccer game for the Nintendo uh, Wii, uh, featuring Mario characters, and the like. Big gimmick for each of the characters is that they have their own unique charge shots um, that they can, uh, you know, store up, meter, and execute, um, and then you know make hard to block um, shots at at the goals um not a game that i played a bunch uh and uh i I had a little bit of a hard time coming up with the c which is why i ended up uh like taking this back road to um, mario soccer um but it is a cool game with a neat sort of aggressive aesthetic um where like all the mario characters look like they are ready to like start a soccer riot um and like there's something chaotic about it that i am into yeah, sequel to the uh, GameCube game, just intent, um, Mario Strikers, and also developed by our uh, newly acquired friends at Next Level Games. That's right. Both of these games are uh, developed by Next Level. So um, maybe we'll be seeing more of that in the future. Who knows? But yeah, they definitely, uh, the character designs and especially like their kits, like have a very much more, um, yeah, like modern, I guess, like, uh, um, uh contemporary aesthetic yeah well and not not just like a contemporary aesthetic but they almost look like they're in like a sci-fi version of the real world like everything's a little bit more metallic and like angular than you would expect it to be even the ball looks more like something out of uh like a blitz ball more than a um a a soccer ball and yes i've got final fantasy (laughs) (laughs) but i guess i guess yeah like i think that's totally right and i feel like it's one of the rare instances of like Ma- Mario in the modern era where yeah. he it doesn't stick very strictly to that like Mushroom Kingdom aesthetic like we definitely see in like Mario Tennis Aces. Like these are yes. the Mario characters but not really existing in that universe. Yeah, which is kind of cool to see like a, a different side of them that's a little less plastic and like a little bit more but I guess just a little less plastic. <laughs> um okay, so for my D, I'm going with my man Drago, the uh, dragon muscular antagonist from Ring Fit Adventure. Um, this is the uh, boss that awaits you at the end of every world of this game, which is seemingly interminable. Um, I've I've uh, like gone back hard into Ring Fit Adventure. I've I've I play it like five times a week now, um, 
and uh, I don't I don't know that there's an end to this game. I just keep, <laughs> I just keep going. Um, and one of the things that I find like sort of reassuring as I play through it is that Drago is going to be waiting for me at the end of every level um, or at the end of every world. Um, and that those are sort of uh, those are set piece battles that like I know I'm going to need to like be ready for and, uh, you know, with like power ups, but also just like ready as a human to like work out for that much time, you know, in, in a sustained fashion. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's cool that like he's got and I know like, you know, the game story, whatever. It's mostly nonsense um and just like a, a flimsy excuse to make you do all these exercises but i like that they build a relationship between the ring and uh drago that that's like a thing uh that you are sort of always uh, uncovering more information about um i don't know it's he's fun he's funny he rocks that singlet um and i love that every time you encounter him you're like distracting him from doing <laughs> something he'd rather do yeah i i uh drago is a great like uh, entry in the Nintendo villain canon because he totally. because he does have that like yeah he's like uh his thing is that he's kind of like a pompous jerk but he's like uh his characterization is still fun like he's yes. like he fits in that like mold of like Bowser where like oh like I mean I guess he's a bad guy but uh he's he's still like enjoy, like he's still a cool character Right. And also, like, it seems like we're both interested in the same thing. We both just want to, like, work out. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can relate. So my D is doubles partners. um, Because thanks to uh, Mario Tennis, the original Mario Tennis for the Nintendo 64, and that including doubles partners, we have that to thank for the advent of Waluigi. Because somebody's got to be uh, Wario's doubles partner partner plus it was the first time that daisy had been used since 1991 yeah pretty amazing that like the need to have a a partner for a lot of those characters um sort of like resurfaces a lot of i i would even put birdo in this camp um that you know birdo as as yoshi's double partner um we wouldn't have probably probably uh, birdo would have been left back in super mario brothers too yeah i uh, i think i was actually looking it up i think the last time that birdo was used like, uh, they make it like a brief appearance, like a cameo appearance in um Super Mario RPG. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah other, but, but I, I mean, Super other Mario than RPG that, RPG is all deep cuts. Right. Know? Exactly. And like, uh, Daisy had shown up in like one game as like a in 1991 as like a like a side character, like Wario's Woods or like something like that. Um, because yeah, before that it was Super Mario Brothers two or sorry, Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. That's right. So I, I think you're totally right. Like without um without these this need for the doubles partners, like who knows, maybe Daisy would be lost to time. Um, yeah. Daisy and Birdo rescued by being doubles partners and Waluigi invented whole cloth. Yeah. Can you imagine if they did something like that now where it was just like like oh we need a, a a third a third mario brother and they just like invent one i can't wait oh i'm hoping that's what the illumination movie is about about a third mario brother yeah, that we didn't know about all this time i mean that's that's not bad i i, I say you run with it <laughs> so up next is e and my e is extreme sports yeah so the x games kicked off in 1994 
and over the next few years had like a profound effect on like 90s and sports culture in general. Um, everything just became like a little more extreme, uh, as like silly as that sounds. So, and Nintendo like was not Im- immune. Um, like Wave Race 64, I would, you could, is right, like right on the cusp of that was a Nintendo 64 launch title. But I think it's undeniable that games like 1080 Snowboarding in 1998, um, was like kind of, uh, was affected by this like extreme sports movement. Yeah. Um, it it was riding that wave as it were. Yeah. It was a huge hit. And that like carried into the GameCube era with like uh, Super Mario Strikers, like we were talking about um, in 2005, which is kind of like the end of that. But all that whole time was like this peak, like was the peak of extreme arcadey action game, like sports games in the video game industry in general. Like you had NBA Streets, you had NFL Blitz, like games that don't exist anymore because it's not the image that those leagues want to project. But at the time, sure. like extreme sports was the like big thing in sports. It's funny because I I have a uh, quite a few picks that um uh, later in my list that refer to um like skate skate skateboarding and surfing, which uh like kind of come are sort of like the harbingers of the X Games and extreme sports, right? Um, like they they sort of like came before and like were cool before that. Um. Uh, and so it, it's kind of interesting to track that as like, you know, surf and skate culture um, like starts here and then extreme sports um, kind of like shifts it just to the side a little bit um, and becomes something like so much bigger and encompasses so many other sports. Yeah. Yeah, totally. My E is Excite Bike um, because motorcycle racing is a sport. I said it. <laughs> um, Excite Bike is a game that I, I know on the original um, NES. Uh, is available on all of your NES things, um, the NES Switch Online, etc. Um, and it's a game that, as a kid, I'd never really wrapped my head around um, what it wants you to do, like controlling the angle as you are flying through the air, going over jumps or whatever. Um, like, that's the only way to really get good at it or, like, shave seconds off of your time. What I thought was the coolest thing in the world was the track editor is the very first time I experienced a video game that lets you edit levels, um, especially the very first, um, uh, you know, um, console game that, that did that. Um, and that the high of making a track in Excite Bike is something that I chase to this day. Uh, and I've experienced it in only a handful of games, sometimes Mario Maker, um, Mod Nation Racers, uh, you know, something similar there. Um, but it was just so easy and so fun um, to like make up a course, try it out, crash a bunch, and then make a new course uh, again. Um, uh, and the music in Excite Bike is also uh, incredible. Yeah, the music is really good. Like Excite Bike is one of those things, one of those like classic Nintendo things that I don't really have any experience with. The most experience I have with anything Excite Bike is the track in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And yeah. the, and I love the music in that track. It's I when that track comes up, uh, and I'm when you know like playing with a group of people in local yeah. co-op. Like it's totally one of those. I totally become one of those people at a party who's like, "Shut up, shut up. We have to listen to this song." Like we I just had to listen to that <laughs> opening riff. That do 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 I really wish that uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe had the ability to like 
uh, control the the sound levels, and so it'd be like, oh, I want to like bring the sound effects way down and bring the music way up, and I basically just want to hear the music. I mean, first of all, it should have a music player in it, and then you should be able to stream that directly to your phone because this is my constant ask of Nintendo, and I'll never get it. Um, but yeah, one hundred percent. I don't know why there's not an option to turn down these sound effects and character voices and turn the music up because I would do it in a heartbeat. There's so much good music in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, totally. It's unreal. Um, okay, so that uh, that was my E. Moving on to F. My F is freestyle. This is my first um, skateboard reference here. Um, in the game Skate or Die on the original NES, this is not a Nintendo published game, but it, it appears on the NES, so I'm counting it. Um, freestyle is the mode where you are skating in a half pipe. Um, and you can just do tricks and it just racks up a score and there's nothing that makes you stop playing um, other than you turning, you know, like pushing start and then exit, exiting the mode. Um, Skater Die had a lot of like different mini games in it, maybe like five or six um, that like there's one that's like a downhill race. There's, um, you know, a, a couple other modes, but like by far and away, the best is this freestyle mode where you just keep going back and forth on this uh, on this half pipe for as long as you want, as long as you can do tricks. <laughs> Well, speaking of extreme sports and skateboarding, um, my F is Funky Kong. Oh my gosh. Now, that he is a surfer and a plane barrel uh-huh. pilot is undisputable. Indisputable. Mm-hmm. In right. Donkey Kong Country... Cannot be disputed. Cannot be disputed. In Donkey Kong Country 3, he is also the purveyor slash inventor of jet skis, uh, a hovercraft, mm-hmm. a motorboat, a, and a gyrocopter. And yes, in Nintendo 64, he is an arms dealer. Or sorry, Donkey Kong 64, we are, he's an arms dealer. We are skipping over that. Because That's more importantly, That's right. he plays baseball in Super Mario Sluggers for Wii. And he does it using his surfboard. No, he does not. Yes. You liar. There's no way that's true. Is that true? It is true. And so I that and thus I rest my case for Funky Kong as the most likely Nintendo character to participate in the X Games. Interesting. And he's an arms dealer? I'm counting it now. <laughs> Up next is G. And for G, I'm mm-hmm. going with golf, um, specifically the classic NES game. And uh, oh, yeah. the and specific even more specifically, the fact that the NES game was hidden as an Easter egg and tribute oh, to Sat- yeah. Satoru Iwata in the firmware of Nintendo Switch, if in system version 4.0 and lower. So I guess really like anything below 4.0, and then was taken out, was put in like it, the whole thing is really weird. Like um. It was put in seemingly as a tribute to Satoru Iwata. Um, Iwata was the sole programmer of the NES game Golf, and it was one of his first projects that he worked on for Nintendo. Um, Iwata, of course, went on to become Nintendo's CEO. Um, it, golf could only be accessed when the system clock was set to July 11th, which was the anniversary of Iwata's death. And it couldn't be like manually set to July 11th. If you're if you ever connected your system to the internet, it like stored that first time in its internal so clock. It knew. Yeah. And so it knew if you were being truthful or not. And then m- seemingly the user had to use this the Joy-Cons to perform like the direct action 
um, that Iwata used to do in his Nintendo Direct appearances where he would kind of like bring both hands forward. Um, and then that would launch the uh, a version of NES Golf that apparently had been updated to, to use motion controls in the Joy-Con. It was such a specific set of steps that you had to go through that like it was like randomly found but then nobody really know, knew if it was true. And like, I don't know if people actually like triggered it for real or if it was only ever done by like modders or people who were like messing around with the, um, the firmware for the Switch. But it's just one of those like, I had forgotten about it until I was looking up stuff for this episode. And just one of those like interesting Nintendo tidbits that uh, existed for a short amount of time and then now we will never be able to experience ever again. I can't believe that uh, the, the, this version of the game uh, incorporates motion controls. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy that that's not accessible now, especially when golf is accessible on the uh, NES Switch Online. Yeah, it was, it seemed, I mean, very clearly a labor of love for at least one person who was working on the Switch firmware. My G, I went for Grand Prix, which is the basic structure for every Mario Kart game you've ever played, um, where you, uh, it, it's the structure by which you um, take on a whole circuit uh, of, of, or a whole cup of um, individual tracks and, you know, uh, get, uh, as, uh, get first place as many times as you can uh, and get points that add up to whatever your final score is. Um, there would be no Mario Kart without Grand Prix. Um, so that's, uh, I, I guess I don't have a lot to say about it, um, but that, that's my G. My H, Mark, we kind of teased this the other, uh, the other week. Maybe we did. Maybe we just talked about it off mic. <laughs> um, my H is hoops for Mario 3-on-3 three three hoops or 3-on-3 three three hoops Super Mario, Mario hoops 3-on-3. Three three. I'm not sure what the name of this game actually is. Um, it is a uh, DS game developed by Square Enix um, that uh, they were like working on and they were like, hmm, this would be better if it were uh, a uh, basketball game with Mario characters in it, approached Nintendo and Nintendo was like, okay, sure. Um, so it has Mario in it, but it also has some like random Final Fantasy characters in it, including um, a black mage, a white mage, a ninja, the cactor enemy, which is like uh, a, a little cactus with like arms and like is weird, um, and a moogle. Um, so all all of these characters are sort of like mixed together in a three on three, almost NBA Jam like Mario basketball game. I remember re- I never played it, but I remember reading like previews of that game, like little blurbs in Nintendo Power. Yeah. Yeah, it's I actually I'm in actually the exact same boat. This is not a game that I've ever played, but it is so fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah, because like every part of it, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, like, why was Square Enix working on a ba- like the 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 premise, the starting point is absurd. Square Enix is working on a basketball game. Why? <laughs> and then and then they're like, hmm, you know what? This needs Mario characters and. Like, what? And then Nintendo's like, okay, sure. Which is, like, the third what? And we're not even to the part where um, a black mage and a white mage are playable characters in a Mario basketball game. It's so weird. Yeah, totally. That And uh, it def- it sticks out to me for that same exact reason. Like, a game I never played, and yet I can't stop thinking about it. Because <laughs> it is, like, I don't even, I think when it was released, like, it got okay reviews. Like, it's not like uh, yeah. it has stood the test of time. 
but it's just such a weird concept and mashup that it is has like a permanent place in my brain. Yeah, yeah, it lives rent free for sure. If anyone has played this game, I would love to get some like actual impressions of what it was like to play it. So email us Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. My H is Haya. <laughs> which yes is a uh like horrible anglicization of uh a japanese word that actually begins with the letter k but i am going with it for h um especially because if you were not around in the 80s or early 90s you may not be aware that america had a brief love affair during that time with like martial arts including the Karate Kid franchise, um, the, nice. like uh, the canonization of Jean-Claude Van Damme. And for the purposes of this show, Nintendo games like Kung Fu, which was an Kung NES Fu. launch title. Yeah, Kung Fu very... Uh, well, I, I just first to, to speak to the um, uh, like karate craze of like the 80s and 90s, um, like, you know, definitely Three Ninjas falls into that. Surf Ninjas falls into that. Also a surf thing. So it's like a double whammy. <laughs> um, but like, I, I would think people now would be aware of it simply by virtue of uh, the popularity of Cobra Kai, mm, which is totally back yeah. to, of course, the Karate Kid movies. But yeah, Kung Fu is uh, sort of notorious for being a, um, a side scroller that um, made you travel from right to left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's... um. Uh, like not particularly good or particularly memorable. Um, it is right. based on a, a arcade game that was not published by Nintendo. I think it was like Imrim or something like that that developed it, and then uh, there was a port of it to the NES that Nintendo ended up publishing and was a NES launch title. Um, but like the actual mechanics and all of that, like not particularly memorable, but yeah. um, definitely. One of those NES like launch titles that were was perfectly timed for what like America wanted at the time. Yeah. Up next is internet. I for internet. Internet as in esports. Walk with me here, people. Mm, I'm doing it. <laughs> hey, look, this is great. This is an this is an avenue of sport that we have not yet covered here. Um, esports are sports. Mark, this is genius. Uh, tell me a little bit more about esports and Nintendo. Well, it's interesting because I feel like Nintendo Nintendo has their own championship series that they host yes. for um, Super Smash Brothers. They've been doing that for a while, even before Ultimate came out, um, for Splatoon and now Splatoon 2. Um, and then there's the cho- Pokemon like Championship League. And so it's interesting. They have like these championships that they, these tournaments that they run and that they are the owners of. And the people who like populate these championships for the most part also exist in these in the fan community and in these fan leagues but nintendo has like a really i would say fraught relationship with the fan leagues where they don't really like acknowledge they exist except to shut them down for the most part like when um the the fan leagues like most recently wanted to use a modded version of super smash brothers melee which was for the nintendo gamecube but it had been modded to be able to play online and that like stepped over a line for nintendo and so they shut it down uh i mean they may have other reasons for doing it last year was not a good year for the i think it was last year for like the um smash brothers communities reckoning with like uh 
like abuse that was seemingly rampant in the uh, yeah, r- rampant in the in the fighting game community, but even more specifically in the uh, Smash Brothers community. So it's, I mean, that's that is a um, sort of like Iron Fist Nintendo um, thing that I'm sympathetic to. That if uh, there's go- there are going to be communities around um, their games, and some of those communities end up being like predatory and taking advantage of people who, uh, especially children, um, then, like, yeah, I think Nintendo should be shutting those down. But I think they should probably just be working more with those communities to do the types of things uh, that, that they want to do. Especially when, um, Mark, did, where I, how, how much do you know about um, the net code that is used um, for fighting games online? Like, I'm sorry, I'm posing, I'm posing this as a question that sounds really, like, crappy and condescending. Well, I, I, How much do you even know? I, I think, I mean, really only what we've discussed previously on this show, which is, yep. like, um, uh, how the netcode kind of, like, guesses what uh, the next yes. input is going to be, so that way there's it reduces lag, and then... Um, this if, is called, yeah, it's called yeah. rollback netcode where um, it sets both players um, back like three or four frames and uh, the sort of like where it meets in the middle, um, the game guesses your previous input based on your, or your next input based on your previous input if it doesn't have that input from you when it's like calculating the next game state. So if you were walking forward, it's going to assume that you're still walking forward. And as far as like frames go, that's correct 99% of the time, right? If you were pushing a button in the in the previous frame, you're likely still pushing it in this new frame. Um, and so uh, it just means that both players are on a three-frame delay, three or four-frame delay, depending on how much the rollback is, um, and that there is never any stutter. It appears to be a very um, like silky smooth experience. Uh, and the only time that it doesn't uh, really work like that uh, is when someone does something unexpectedly. But even then, um, it's not as though it like happens and causes like a, a backup in uh, the sort of like inputs and, and display. Um, so it, the long and the short of it is this uh, melee mod was using the sort of rollback net code, which is not something that the new um, Smash Brothers uses. Um, a, a lot of um, Japanese fighting game developers do not use uh, rollback net code, which is partly why um, the uh, American and European fighting games um, have so much better um, netcode. Uh, even indie games using um, uh, GGPO, uh, which is short for Good Game Peace Out, um, uh, which is sort of a, a proprietary um, rollback platform um, that leads to this really um, easy and useful online. Same thing that um, Killer Instinct uses uh, and like Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, it's just weird that uh, things like the Smash Ultimate and um, Street Fighter Five don't use technology like that. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, I watched a couple YouTube videos. <laughs> now I think I know everything. <laughs> Mark, my eye is for ice hockey on the NES. Um, this is one of my favorite early um, NES sports games. You uh, pick between, uh, you know, like six or seven different countries that you want your team to represent. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's, it, it feels like it's a totally unlicensed, you know, you're not playing as any, um, you're playing as countries and not as um, professional hockey teams. Uh, you get to decide the size of your players. There's a, a skinny guy, a medium sized guy and a fat guy. And the fat guy has an amazing design. It looks like his nose is really wide, but maybe it's just like the strap on his helmet. It's amazing. Uh, the fat guys are kind of slow, but they will like, you know, check the little guys. 
um the fighting mechanic is really funny um that like you can just sort of skate up to someone and like start pushing it's either a or b um to just start hitting them with your hockey stick they can start hitting you back and eventually like it's a bench clearer and like everyone just like skates out into the ice and starts beating each other up it's amazing um i i I love that game i think i played a little bit of it when it became available on like the nes switch online yeah likely when it became available i was very excited about it and and said something about it on on the show um it's it it's very good i i I like it a lot it's very charming and um fast uh and is the probably the uh, i I say probably but definitely the first um hockey game i ever uh played uh so my j i know we sort of uh skated up to this before um is jet skis uh, specifically those as they appear in Wave Race 64. I know there have been Wave Race games since Wave Race 64, and Wave Race 64 itself is a sequel to a Game Boy game called Wave Race. Um, but Wave Race 64 is, to me, the like platonic ideal of uh, Wave Race because it reduces uh, like the video game to the relationship between the craft and the water. Um, the water level changes in all of these tracks um, and the physics of it feel very, like, real. You have to understand and, like, intuit the buoyancy of your vehicle and the speed at which you're hitting waves. Uh, it just feels very, like, intimate and dynamic. I also think that um, jet skis were having a moment in a way that, like, mm, like they, they exist in the culture now. And, like, jet skis continue to exist. But I feel like for whatever reason, in the same t- time that like wave race 64 was hitting like there were uh jet ski arcade games and that sort of thing like it was just uh like a nice cultural moment for jet skis um is there okay so i get i i I had in my mind a jet ski sequence from a james bond movie and i couldn't place uh which one it is um Maybe I'm even making it up. Maybe it's not real. <laughs> I don't. I. I'm. I'm not sure. It seems like it'd have to be a Pierce Brosnan one. It does. It does feel like that. There's. Uh, who is this? The spy who loved me. Okay, so that's. Uh, <laughs> that's a, a a Roger Moore. Um, I, I mean the Pierce Brosnan. He's definitely riding around like rocket boats. That seems right. And there's definitely, there's definitely surfing. I think in Die Another Day. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, for sure. Oh, die another day. It's so bonkers. I love it. My J is Jones talking about Mike Jones, the star of the Star Tropics series. He's just your average everyday. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm proud of you. <laughs> hey, some, somebody's got to tick that uh, Star Tropics box every episode. Yeah. He's just, Mike Jones is just your average everyday kid from Seattle, Washington, who happens to be a left-handed ace pitcher and just really loves baseball. That's right. Uh, and he's so good at being a pitcher that he is also an adept user of a yo-yo as a weapon. <laughs> right? Like, that's, that's sort of like the fiction they lead you down. Of yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's why he can use it. Yeah. His, his throw is just too powerful that anything in his hand becomes a weapon. That's a good one. Jo- Jones is a good one. Next I up. want him back. I want to see him in something else. I don't care what it is. Does, Smash would be great. I was going to say, does Smash, does Smash Ultimate have like a tribute of any kind to Star Tropics? Is there a like Zoda um, a trophy hmm. or anything? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go looking for it now. Yeah, I, don't, I'm, I think it may be a missing series. 
Uh, but hey, there's still what three or four more characters for uh, left, Fighter yeah. Pack Two, so maybe Mike Jones can still make it. K, moving on to K, it's Kirby's feats of strength. I know that previously I said that um, Funky Kong could probably would be the Nintendo character show up to show up at the X Games, but I think an argument could be made for Kirby. Uh, most Kirby games include sub game sub games of some kind outside of their main campaigns, um, and Kirby, a lot of them are like sports based. You have Star Slam Heroes from Star Allies. It's like a home run derby, but with meteors instead of baseballs. Uh, there's a it's re- it's it's really funny. Have you have you played that mode? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. To just because you you knock these comets out and they like fly through. Uh, the solar system and like out into deep space. It's really neat. There's like a rail grinding challenge from Nightmare in Dreamland where basically like uh, Kirby is using like a superstar as a skateboard. And there's one also where like uh, they're racing on waves using like the superstar as a um, uh, as a surfboard. surfboard. And that one kind of has like an excite bike like excite bike like mechanic. Where, uh, you know, you have to like, uh, do your time your button inputs on the j- on the crest, the wave crest, yeah. in order to like get ahead. Um, there's hurdle races in Kirby Tilt and Tumble. So Kirby is like an all around athletic guy, possibly, um, the most powerful character in Nintendo's universe, and so of course he's going to be good at sports as well. Um, hilariously, my K is also Kirby related. Um, but is not something that you mentioned here. I am referring, of course, to Kirby's Dream Course, where Kirby is reduced to the role of golf ball. <laughs> it uh, This is a, a, a game for the Super NES. Uh, it is available on the SNES Switch Online and on the um, SNES Classic Edition. Uh, it is a really cool kind of mashup of like miniature golf and like sort of marble madness, where like you are aiming uh, Kirby, what, like, which way he's going. There's no, you never, like, see a club hit him. He just sort of, like, launches forward. Um, and uh, it's, it's really neat. The game is uh, fun, and all the, all the courses are, like, really interesting and challenging. Um, again, uh, having it on the SNES Classic Edition uh, turns the game into a playable game instead of, like, something that is frustrating that you'll turn off right away, um, where you can take a swing and be like, oh, I can see. I was obviously way too hard on that. And then like actually gauge, you know, there's no like preview of how far you're going to hit Kirby. Mm -hmm. Um, And the like putting portion of the game, like when you were trying to actually get it into the hole at the very end of the course, because you have to to knock over like a couple of the like bad guy heads before you can go into the hole. Um, But the hole is so sensitive that you can overshoot it uh, so easily, so easily. Um, you've got to be like, you've got to get Kirby to stop right on the dot. Um, but it's a super fun game uh, and one that I didn't appreciate, I don't think, when it was originally on the Super NES. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played it before. But I guess, you know, like if uh, Kirby is so powerful that he can be he can be and do anything that occasionally you end up like debasing yourself and you're just a golf ball. You just got to be the ball. Also, Mark, I noticed that as you were listing the various sports that Kirby played, you didn't mention any of the lumberjack sports that he would be good at. Because oh my there gosh. Are also parts in Kirby star allies where there are a mini game where you're like chopping down a tree. Yeah. Oh, I, Kirby would be incredible at like uh, one of those um, like uh, Highland games or, oh, you know, yeah. like um, uh, a barn raising. 
or when like in seven brides for seven brothers when they get on top of like the 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 well you know like the the log in the middle of the well that you like have rope on and they're like rolling it yeah. up and yes they're of course. <laughs> they're balancing on it like kirby would be great at that oh man i want to see kirby doing all, only the weirdest sports that's all i want from kirby <laughs> Um, my L, uh, I, I, I picked this L even knowing that like, this has got to be Mark's L too, but maybe it won't be. Little Mac is my L, uh, the hero of the Punch-Out franchise, the player character. Um, Little Mac, look, uh, he had to take over and be the standard bearer for Punch-Out after, um, Nintendo, uh, ended their relationship with Mike Tyson and they did so rightly because, you know not a good human um an impressive guy who obviously his name sold a lot of games um but you know little mac is an impressive character um who uh got sort of the uh short shaft was weirdly uh changed and whitewashed in the super nes game where he's like some weird little blonde dude and you're like that's not little mac that's someone else yeah in like the they they called him little mac at least in like the american release but it is definitely not little mac yeah there's no way this is little mac um and so it, it it's great that um by the time well which came up which came out first um or i guess he he was he when did little mac first appear in smash brothers oh four uh yeah for the um yes the wii u slash 3ds okay one. okay so the the wii version of punch out was first um which or before uh smash um so like that sort of like solidified this uh design of um of of little mac uh which is and like the art style too which i feel like carries over into um uh into smash brothers um and he's just he's he's an icon now like he's he's the perfect um underdog who doesn't feel like an underdog like he's little but he is fearsome uh he's got those great trunks he's got that awesome orange or uh pink hoodie um, he's great. Little Mac is wonderful. Yeah, Little Mac is also my L. The only thing I'll add I is <laughs> the only thing I'll add is that he's hot. Yeah, yeah. Little Mac is super hot. Moving on to M, our final letter for this episode. We will continue next week, finishing out the alphabet. Um, my M is Madden '97 for the Super oh. Nintendo. So just like with um, Ken Griffey Jr. presents Major League Baseball. This was a a sports game that I mean this is for sure the version of Madden that I put the most time into and it's one of those games where On like the Super Nintendo 97 Yeah here well here's yes and that's a great reaction because unbeknownst to me Thank you. <laughs> unbeknownst <laughs> to me and it wasn't until like uh you know doing research for this episode and like looking it up that I realized, oh yeah, there must have been. There was like a version. There was a version of Madden '97 for the PlayStation, for the Dreamcast, maybe not for the Dreamcast, for the PlayStation, for like the Genesis, and the and and the Super Nintendo one is the one that is very poorly regarded. It's and it was just an interesting moment of reflection where you're like, huh, like as a kid, I loved this game. Like I put so much time into it and like really had a blast. And if Somebody was like, what version of Madden do you love? It is clearly Madden 97 for me. And and it is very poorly regarded. Generally, people do not like this game. <laughs> I mean, that 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 makes sense to me. But I, I also love that, like, the sort of myopia of, like, this is the version that I played. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, you have what you have. 
Um, have you kept up with or like gone back to any uh, Ben games since '97? No, I've not. Not really. Like in I the last twenty three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I I haven't really played a lot of it. Um, there's something about like sports simulation games that are very difficult mm-hmm. to like hold my attention. Um, and really, the last football game that I put a ton of time into was NFL Blitz for the PlayStation Three where they would like where injuries were kind of the point like you were the more yeah. gruesome the injury like they would do like a close up um x-ray version so you could see like the bone snapping and it's like geez i wonder why the nfl didn't want that to be like uh the like headlining franchise but no it's been um and you know at that point at this point that was like 15 years ago itself so yeah. uh no it's been a long time since i've like really played a uh, football video game i know what you mean about being turned off by uh simulation games um at the beginning of the pandemic i bought a copy of uh mlb the show um 2020 for uh sarah and i to try to play together um and you know because she likes baseball was upset uh you know understood why baseball wasn't happening then baseball happened um (laughs) uh and so we were like well we'll get into this we'll get we'll give it a try um and Like, they give you a lot of opportunities to, like, sort of customize what way you want to control stuff, Um, but everything is based on, like, the actual, uh, you know, stats and abilities of the real players in the real world, Um, which quickly becomes overwhelming uh, if you don't, you know, eat, breathe, breathe and sleep. Yeah, baseball. if you don't eat, eat, pray, love baseball, then uh... you got to eat, pray, love it. <laughs> no, I, I, I it, for, for me, it's the same thing as like racing games where um, like yes. Gran Turismo and Forza. It's like I don't have that appreciation of cars where like the minutia is really interesting to me. And so the same thing for like these like simulation sports yes. games where like, uh, yeah, like that aspect of it doesn't grab me. Uh, my M and our final entry for this episode is, of course, Mega Man Soccer. This is another Super Nintendo game um, and a game that doesn't uh, really make sense to me. Uh, Mega Man never again grafted onto a sports franchise. What is this game? I didn't even know this um, existed or exists. Yeah, I guess Man it still Soccer. exists. It still, yeah, it still does exist. Uh, it has never been ported uh, to another platform, um, including any of the Mega Man collections. Um, so it is a relic. It is stuck on the Super NES. Um, I should try to get a uh, a cartridge of this because I, I think I would have fun revisiting it. Um, it it takes place after the events of Mega Man 4 uh, and includes all of the Mega Man characters up to that point. So the robot bosses from um, those first four games, uh, Mega Man, Proto Man, um, Roll, Rush, um, Dr. Wily, Dr. Light, um, and uh, in in reading up Doctor Cossack, uh, the uh, villain sort of from uh, Mega Man Four, um, there's a point in that game where you realize he's uh, sort of being blackmailed to being the bad guy. Anyway, no spoilers for Mega Man Four, I guess. Although I just did spoil it. Um, one of the things that I learned uh, about this game while uh, reading up on it for this episode uh, is the following paragraph that I'm reading from the uh, story section of the uh, Mega Man Wiki's article on Mega Man Soccer. Um, Mega Man Soccer doesn't have an ending, and the player returns to the title screen <laughs> after completing the game, but the game does not uh, does contain an unused ending song, uh, or ending, ending and credits sequence. Uh, the only way to access that ending is through a cheat. So the game is obviously broken. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no uh, real story other than like, 
um, people are playing soccer and the uh, robot masters appear and Mega Man is like, I better get in there and play soccer too. And then you do it. Oh, I mean, that's kind of all of the story you need in Mega Man soccer. Totally. Uh, but a weird little note that there is no, <laughs> no ending to the game. It just ends. Um, all right. Uh, those are our, that's the first half of our ABCs. Let's close this out. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We will be back with N through Z next week. Um, but in the meantime, uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. You should sa- share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share sports stuff. Because this is a sports podcast now. We're doing it. <laughs> uh, it <laughs> I've now claimed that this podcast is two different things in this episode. Uh, a Mario Tennis podcast and a sports podcast. I guess people just have to continue listening to see which one wins out. It's like Alien versus Predator. (laughs) No matter who wins, we lose. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, yeah, Funky Kong plays baseball with a surfboard. Thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're here to believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.